All right. Well, as Danny said, my name is Rory Groves. I am one of the elders here. My family has been attending Life 21 for five or six years. And I am so excited to be here with all of you. When I woke up this morning, it didn't look like we'd be outside together. Praise God, he dissipated the rain and he brought us together. And I don't think we'd have this turnout if he didn't. And it's so uh, well-timed, both just for what I'm personally sharing for what we're going through. Last Sunday was our first outdoor service. And that was the first Sunday that my whole family has gathered with the church since all of the shutdown started. And it felt so good to be together, to see the faces. And I know there's still uh, some of you that are worshiping at home. And I wanted to say... We feel and we empathize with you in the season because it is not the same to worship through a screen, is it? It's not the same. There is so much that is lost when we are not physically together. And uh, just, just so you know, we have been as an elder team and as leadership among the pastors, praying and seeking God and really trying to decide and determine how things need to change going forward, not because of the coronavirus, but it brought to the forefront many of the things that have been neglected and taken for granted. We don't take those things for granted right now. And so please keep praying for us, but church is not going to be church as usual going forward. We really want to focus on the privilege that it is that God has brought us together. It is by the grace of God that we're here this morning. It's by the grace of God that we meet at all which is what I'm talking about this morning, the local church and why we meet. Oh yeah, send me back down. We got some, a little bit of wind here. It's okay, we can suffer. Turn to me with math to Matthew chapter 16. We're gonna be looking at verses 13 through 18. Matthew 16, 13 through 18. Now, when Jesus came to the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we consecrate this time to your name and to your honor. Jesus, Lord, you are head of this church. In Jesus' name, amen. There we go. Yes and amen. So this topic of the local church has actually been on my heart for some time. As Danny mentioned, this has just been a swelling of my heart. Why do we meet together? What is the purpose of the local church? The fact that we've had these coronavirus lockdowns and shutdowns and mandates and masks, uh, this has just become more relevant to us now. But it was relevant before all of this. And let me start out 
by just asking, phrasing the question this way. Why don't we all belong, isn't we all Christians? Why don't we us all belong to one big megachurch, right? One worldwide giant megachurch with like 100,000 campuses that are all simulcasting the service that morning. And there, there would be the most dynamic preachers you could get in the world who'd be sharing the sermon, the best teaching, the uh, you know concert level musicians and singers, the best that the world can provide. It would actually be uh, more efficient if you think about it. We have the technology. We have the capability to do something like that. We could even live stream it to like the billion people who are staying at home for coronavirus. We have all the capacity. But that's not the church that Christ instituted, is it? We don't do church that way because when Christ instituted the church, and as we see it from the New Testament writings, he instituted a local church with local leaders serving local members in a local community. Now, we're all part of the universal church with a capital C, but there's a difference between being, church, being part of the church of all space and time all over the world and being part of a local congregation. And that's what we're going to look at a little bit today. Could I have Elise come up, and in just a minute, I'm going to have her share another scripture reading. But first, let us I just wanted to mention, what are some of the things that the local church is not? Okay, the local church is not a building, is it? Amen. The local church is not a building. It is not one hour on a Sunday morning. It is not a Sunday morning excursion as if there's nothing better to do, so why don't we just go down to that building and have church together. It's not a source for motivational speeches or emotional experiences. It's not where you bring your unsaved friends so your pastor can introduce them to Jesus, is it? So what exactly, uh, I'll caveat that and say, these are things that can happen on a Sunday morning. These are all possibilities. But this isn't the point of a local church. If you're only coming for an emotional uplift on a Sunday morning, you're missing the point. So let's take a look at what the local church is. And I don't know, if is the, is the microphone on where Kiwi was sitting? Yeah, okay, why don't you hop on? Kiwi's microphone. Reading from Acts chapter 2, verses 42. We'll start with verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day and those who were being saved. Thank you, Elise. 
Sounds like a good church, doesn't it? You were in Jerusalem at that time. You might want to go check that church out. A little audience participation. I want you to call out what stood out to you from that passage. What were some of the things that were unique about that church, about that local church, congregational church? What was unique? Breaking bread. You know, New Testament is almost, it's almost inseparable, the meeting of believers with the meal. And I don't mean communion. I mean the actual fellowship over a meal. It's almost hard to find in the New Testament where they're not enjoying meals together at the same time. What else? Day by day, meeting day by day. Go ahead, just shout it out. Sharing with the needy, giving and providing need and support to those who needed it. What else? Selfless with belongings. Homes. Amen. It says they had all things in common. One of the more uncomfortable passages in the New Testament, isn't it? For American believers, at least. Anything else? Loving people. They had favor with all people. Salvations daily. Signs, wonders, and miracles. These were all part of the local church. Couple, a couple other things that I that were highlighted to me was that the local church or that church is a seven-day reality, not one hour on a Sunday morning. It's a seven-day break reality. It's a place to edify, to build up, and love one another, and build each other up with the spiritual gifts. It's a place to bring your friends that you introduce to Jesus. It's a discipleship training center. It's a place to receive healing from the battle wounds of life. And it's a place to receive discipline for the battles you will face in life. It's a haven for the family. This is where families come to be nurtured, to grow into what God has called them to be. And it's a family for those who have no family, for the widows, the orphans, and others. The church is also an army. The gates of hell shall not prevail. The imagery here on gates is actually defensive. In other words, the church is not cowering in the corner while hell is trying to beat it into submission. It can't quite do it all the way. The church here is on the offense. Hell is on the defense. The gates of hell shall not prevail. So we are not an army in the way the world fights. We don't fight with carnal weapons. We don't use worldly tactics to overcome evil. Of course, our weapons are divine. Uh, we don't trust in politicians, if I can say that. We certainly are engaged in politics, and Christians should definitely be engaged in politics. I want to make that clear. But politics should never become our primary focus. Okay, if we ever are focused more on politicians and elections than we are on prayer and discipleship, we will be very disappointed with the outcomes. Think about Rome for a moment. When Jesus wanted to overthrow the ruling elites in Rome. Did he organize Christians to get out the vote? 
No. Rome was a polity. They had elections. When Jesus wanted to overthrow Rome, he planted a church. And then he ordained that that church should suffer intense persecution for hundreds of years. So much persecution that the church grew and grew and grew, and eventually Rome fell, and the church was still standing. And it was not only standing, but it spread over the entire continent into the ends of the earth. That is God's plan for the transformation of the world. It is through the humble local church with your humble local pastor and your humble parishioners, your few dozen, the average church size is 60 in America. Your few dozen parishioners uh, singing songs, reading the scriptures, preaching the word, raising their children in the faith, generation after generation, loving their neighbors, not compromising with the world. That is God's plan for the transformation of the world. Now, one last point I wanted to make here. Um, what's the purpose of leadership in a local church? Uh, the church, remember, is not, we're not a corporation and we're not a social club. Don't confuse that. There is leadership in a church. You could almost describe a church more like a government than a than another institution. Not quite. But it's it's the gathering of believers that do practice a form of government. And that word I know has some baggage attached to it. But it simply means to govern means to guide or to steer. And Christ has instituted that there are leaders in a local church who are charged with steering that congregation into the mission that Christ has called them to. So in a local church, we practice submission and authority. Those are other words that are a little uncomfortable in the New Testament, especially in a culture that is seeking total autonomy from God. Submission and authority. What does that actually mean? Well, think about it this way. God institutes things in his own image, and within the Trinity, there is submission and authority. Paul says in Philippians, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ, as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant. So very simply, God ordains that within the local church, there are some spheres of your life that you bring under submission to others as an accountability for your own benefit, for your own growth. And then there's also mutual submission. Ephesians says, submit yourselves one to another out of reverence for Christ. So among the believers here, it's not just from leadership to the members, but amongst the members, you are to be practicing submission, mutual submission and accountability. You are to be ministering one to another, sacrificing on behalf of one another, and holding each other accountable. Amongst the elders in a church, the leadership, which, which what we call here is elders, there is mutual submission. There is no single strong man 
on the leadership here. There's no one person with final authority. We submit to one another, and ultimately all the leaders submit to you, the body of the church, and everyone of us submits to Christ, who is the head of the church.